so this season starts this period of Lent. And Lent is a time where what we're, in Christian tradition, what we do is we prepare our hearts again. We're reminded again of what Christ came to do in us. What he accomplished, God incarnate. What he accomplished on the cross and how powerful it is to change everything in our lives. And Lent is this period where we, we pray and we fast, and we just get intentional about becoming deaf to all the voices that say, you need something besides God. You better go find it elsewhere. You'll never be happy with God. We become deaf to those voices again and say, no, what I really need is the God of, that created me in my life. What I really need is to be attentive to the voice of Jesus that calls me to live the life that God designed for me to live. The life that I, is unimaginable and is filled with possibilities. And so during this season of Lent, that you'll actually see on the back of your, uh, well, if you open this thing called the scoop, inside of it, you'll see that one whole side, each week one whole side will be actually dedicated to weekly reflection questions, just a, a season for you to dive in each week after what we've talked about and explore it more deeply and say, man, I really want to go after this. You'll see a prayer each week that we want to call you to like pray and to engage in. And then you'll see a weekly fast, a thing to like, you know, we could choose just to fast like food or something like that. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that might be important to you and maybe you'll be healthier. But we really want to call you to as a spiritual fast each week. Something in your life that if you fasted it, if you made an exchange with it and did something different, it would truly change everything in your life. And so we're really excited about what could be, and actually we're going to even have an event this weekend to kick off Lent called Taste of Sabbath that will really help you engage and be attentive to Jesus' voice. So I want to encourage you to mark all those things down. We'll talk more about Taste of Sabbath in a little bit, but our prayers and our hope is that this season you would grasp the power of the gospel, what the gospel can really do in your life to unpack who Jesus was, the message that he brought, and the power to change your life that it has. And that's what we're going to go after the next six weeks. So um, today we're going to start in Romans 1. And so um, if you want to follow along today, you want to open your Bible or Bible app to Romans 1. A lot of the scripture, it will only be on the screen. We couldn't fit it all in the, in the outline this week. And so you might want to follow along in Romans 1. But there's a, we're starting off with our theme verse for this whole series. Something I would encourage you to, to memorize and to meditate on during the season of Lent. It's a powerful verse. It's written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was one of Jesus' followers who came later. He didn't have a great track record when it came to Christians because he actually murdered them and killed them. And so he wasn't, at first, very welcome in the Christian community. But as it turned out, as he began to follow Jesus, Jesus did this work in him, and it changed everything for him. And in fact, he became one of the most prolific writers of the New Testament, and he wrote a book called Romans which I think is probably one of the most practical and important theological treatises of our times. Like you can read all kinds of great theologians, but when you read Paul, there's something that he understands about the gospel. There's a way that he understands it that for us, we read it, and when we don't get it, we don't get that that's what he's going after in Romans, is to really help them understand it. We miss the power of it. So that's what we're going to dive into today and to explore and to dig into it. So let's get started. Romans chapter 1, starting in, in verse 15. This is what Paul begins his letter to the Romans with. He says, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Now, Paul's writing a letter to people that were Christians. 
And he says, I am so eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why, Paul? Why is the gospel so important to you, Paul? He says, because the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. You get, you get, like sometimes I think we see the gospel as just like this message or just this thing or we don't really know what it is. But Paul says the gospel is actually the power of God in our lives that brings us into a salvation that changes our lives to everyone who believes, to the Jew and to the Gentile. Why is so Paul so eager? Because he wants us to experience the power of God in our life. Do you have the power of God in your life, like every day? Like, I wonder how many of us, you might go, yeah, you might grow up in church being like, yeah, the gospel's really important. But if I asked you, like, is the power of God integrated into your life? Like, tomorrow morning, your alarm goes off, you haven't had a cup of coffee yet, right? And you hit your alarm, are you experiencing the power of God? Like, you going to experience the power of God in that moment? Like, is, is your life going to be changed? Is your salvation going to make a difference in that moment? Or are you really relying on that cup of coffee that you're going to have a little bit later? Like, do you experience, I think there's so many of us, right? Like, we're like, man, I want to, like, like, has the gospel impacted you in such a way that it has changed your parenting, that it has impacted how you relate? to others around you? Has it impacted you so deeply that it's changed the way you see yourself, how you operate in the world, how you go to work every single day? Because this is what Paul is saying, is the gospel is that kind of power in your life. And I wonder if we experience it that way. And so I love what Paul writes about this. And here's part of the reason, because when we recognize that Paul's writing a letter to Christians, in Rome. And he says, I am eager, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you, to those who would consider themselves Jesus followers. I am eager to preach the gospel to you of those of you who would consider yourself churchgoers. I'm eager to preach the gospel to those of you who serve on a regular basis, who already believe in and trust in and have surrendered into Jesus' leadership. Like, I am eager to preach the gospel to those of you who would pray and would seek God. I am eager to preach the gospel to you, those of you who are trying to follow God. I want to preach the gospel to you. Now, let me ask you, does this strike you in any way as odd? I mean, for those of you who, like, if Paul, you were a recipient of Paul's letter today, if Paul was to write this letter to us, and I got up here, and I read it, and you were like, right, you're like, Paul, like, some of you are like, Paul, I already know the gospel, right? Like, I've, I've already, I don't need another gospel sermon. After all, I grew up in church. I know the gospel. Right? Some of you might be here and you're like, yeah, listen, when I was younger, I prayed this prayer to have Jesus come into my heart, you know, and so, so I don't, I, I, that's already done, you know, and or, or I submitted as a young adult, I was in my 20s, and I mean, I discovered Jesus, and I was like, Jesus, I, I, I chased after all this other stuff, and it didn't work for me, and then I discovered Jesus, and I submitted to his leadership, and I received his forgiveness, and it's changed everything, and, and I, I just, you don't need to preach the gospel to me. I, I got the gospel. Because I think some of us have, maybe some of you have grown up in church, and you've been around the gospel, right? And you, you kind of got this idea that the gospel was what saved you, and that was it. Like, hey, now I've got this relationship with God. I'm saved. i got my eternity kind of squared up. 
I'm good. I think maybe there's this misunderstanding as we go into Romans because Paul's like, I am eager to preach this to you. That at some point in time, we started seeing the gospel as something that's a once and done. Did that, don't need that. The, the good news, the gospel, the good news is now just old news. And it's because it's not new news, we don't see how it's good news. And we've kind of disconnected from that. And we're like, yeah, the gospel's for people who don't know that good news, you know, who don't, haven't discovered a relationship with Jesus. That's the gospel. You received, and you, you know, you received that work of the gospel. You received the gospel. You said, yeah, I want to trust in Jesus. And then you're like, now you're kind of like, well, now I'm going to get on with the work of being a good person, right? Being a moral person. And see, what Paul's saying here, and this is why it's so important, is distinctly different. And if you just breeze past that, I'm eager to preach the gospel, you miss that, that he's saying something distinctly different. Paul's saying, I am eager to preach the gospel to those of you who already believe because he's saying if you read the rest of paul's works you know this right like salvation to paul is not something that happens it's something that happens and continues to happen you are saved and being saved god is always at work in your life bringing you into himself and helping you live the life that he designed and i think paul knew that every one of us, he's eager to preach the gospel because every one of us needs to re-hear the gospel on a regular basis. We need to re-hear the gospel because we will not experience the power of God in our lives without it. The gospel is not an event. It's an ongoing work. And the power of God, and, the, and, and for those of you who know the, the gospel, like the question becomes, right, am I experiencing? I might know the gospel, but... Am I experiencing, the, the Greek here is the miraculous power of God, the, the miracle-working power of God. Am I experiencing that in my life? Because that's what Paul says the gospel is about. Now, maybe you're like me and you've been, you know, you've walked through your life and you've had these seasons maybe where you're like, man, I'm so excited about Jesus, and then, you know, I got frustrated. So I got on with the work of being a good person, and I'm kind of like, boy, this is kind of, exhausting you know you, you you you're like man i put in all this effort you just kind of got stuck and you're like but but this deeper life change like to feel the peace of god and the joy and those kind of things are just eluding me right now or maybe you've been in those seasons of your life where you're just like i you know i want to chase after god but there's this destructive this sinful behavior and i just i just keep going back to it I just keep chasing after it, and I know it wrecks me, and it wrecks my life, and it's in the way. Maybe you're one of those people, you're just like, man, I'm in a season, I, you know, I check all the good person boxes in my life. I've been checking them off, look, look, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm a pretty good person, but, you know, if you really were honest, you're like, but I lack the kind of joy, and the kind of peace, and the kind of abundance. I don't, you know, you talk about, Sean, you talk about that miraculous power, and that, Pastor, I don't experience that. And maybe you're like, man, I just, I find myself on a regular basis getting up and a little anxious and I'm trying to prove myself, you know, and I, I'm worried about my future and a thousand other things that distract me. See, what if the gospel is not just something that happens? What if the gospel is actually the power of God that needs to happen in our life and reinvent itself every single day? I love this. There's this quote by Tim Keller. Tim Keller's a 
the pastor and just a, such an intelligent guy, so articulate. And, and, I, and I just want to quote him for a second. This is what he says about the gospel. He says, the gospel is not the first step in a stairway of truth. Rather, it is the hub of the wheel of truth. The gospel is not only for non-Christians, for people who haven't met Jesus, for people who have not trusted Jesus, but it is for Christians. For when we fail to apply the gospel as Christians, we may try to grow in hard work and obedience instead of the power of God. Is that a journey for you? Has it, have you been in that place where you've been trying to grow? But if you're really honest, you're like, I'm not sure if I'm grow, trying to grow through the power of God. Like I, I might lack that miraculous power of God in my life. And I might I want to pursue God. I want to know him. But I don't know, Sean, if I would say that I feel the power of God in that. And so Paul goes on, and this is what he says. And this is, this is, like, this is why he spends the next eight verses trying to help us understand. He says, listen, I want to preach this gospel to you. And in the next eight verses, he begins to introduce what is the gospel and why is it so important. Verse 20, this is where Paul jumps in. He says, listen. He says, here's why the gospel is so important, why it needs to be preached. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. Now, you, you've experienced this, haven't you? Like, you've been out there on that mountaintop, and you've looked out over, like, all of the cedar, and you've looked out over, and you just got this sense of awe in you. Right? The sense of, like, something greater is at work. Right? You... You've had those moments, right, where you're like, you've been with somebody and they've said something to you or it's just been this really special moment and you've been in awe of it and you were like, this was almost like, like I got goosebumps. This is like, this, something happened here. It's bigger than me. Like, this is, what, this is what Paul's saying. Like, God has always been at work from the very beginning of creation. He designed the world to reveal himself to the world that we might be in relationship with him, that we might worship him, that we might go after him and know that he is the source of life. He, he says, listen, it's always been clearly seen. It's being understood from what has been made. And he says, really, we're without excuse. Paul says, I'm eager to preach the gospel. Because God did all of that just to reveal to you that he is not uncaring, that he is not distant, that he is not angry, that he's not, like, out to get you, that he's actually in work, that, like, all, like, all of this is to say, I love you and I am for you and I want to call you back to me and I want you to stop going after other things. And Paul goes on to explain that history proves that this is really hard for us. That there's nobody in this room that this is not hard for. Because he says, listen, so from the beginning of time, this was God's design. He said, but there's something else that's been at, from the very beginning of time when, when humanity walked away from God and said, I don't know, I kind of doubt it, I'm not sure, I'm going to go after some other things. From the very beginning of time, he said, there's some other history here. He said, so verse 21, he says, for although they knew God, <clears throat> they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, and they had all the answers, and they knew what was right, they, they became fools. And here's why they became fools. Because they exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, 
or birds or animals or reptiles. Paul's talking about idols here, about this, this humanity's desire, humanity's history to worship things they can see and touch and idols and make things up and to be like, man, I better get things right so I can have good fortune. Verse 24, he says, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity and for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And you're like, wow, what is, what's Paul? Like, this is a lot with Paul. What are you saying here? Here's the bottom line. Here's what Paul's saying. Listen, the reason you've got to preach the gospel to yourself, the reason I'm eager, the reason that you need to rehear this all the time is because it is counter to your nature, your brokenness, and it is counter to your culture and everything that you're going to hear. He said, this is the history. It's always been counter. The gospel has always been something very different than what you naturally think or feel and what you've been taught in the culture. Listen, isn't there something inside of you and something inside of me that says, I need to find my own happiness, and I'm not sure that God's going to provide it. And I need to go after it. I don't know if I can really trust God with my happiness. Isn't there like this little voice inside you sometimes? You've heard it. You, you felt it like that, that little voice that says, you better look out for yourself here because he or she or they or God isn't going to look out for you. You're on your own. You better figure it out. Nobody cares as much about me as I do. I mean, did you hear those little voices? I mean, that, you know, the, you've seen the old cartoons, the angel and the demon, you know, like the, like the, like, you hear the, like, not like, I know, some of you are like, yeah, like, maybe you hear voices, Andrews, that would explain a lot, right? Like, but like, like, do you hear that, like, you know, that, that sense of, like, something's going on, like that, that you get up in the morning, and you're like, the alarm goes off, and overwhelming, like, you, you, you sense this anxiety, and this list comes into your mind of all the things that have to get done. And you're like, man, if I don't get those things done, if I don't check that off, I am going to continue to feel anxious, and so I'm just going to go after that. My happiness is dependent on me getting that done. My happiness is dependent on me doing that thing right. My happiness is dependent on making sure those people in my life are all happy with me. Like, I've got I've to get to all of that, or I'm not going to be loved or I'm not going to be accepted, or I'm not going to be valued. And the status of my internal, in, internal being is dependent on all of that. Have you has that ever happened to you? Like, that's what I'm talking about. And this is what Paul's talking about, and he gets to verse 25, and he says this. He says, therefore they exchange the truth about God, that God is good, that you can trust him, that he's created all of this to point you to him. They exchange that truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and they served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. They settled into a lie. They said, like, listen, I know culture's telling me that this is, you know, I can't touch it, I can't feel it, can't prove it. I, I'm just going to go after what I can touch and feel and have. And so I'm going to exchange God's truth for what I'm being told. And this is why Paul is saying you've got to hear the gospel because it's so contrary to God's plan. What is God's plan? He's so smart. He's so wise. He knows it so well. God's plan is just this. He's like, listen, I designed you to get your life from me. 
You are my creation, and you'll never find life. You'll never find truth. You'll never find everything that I've designed for you apart from me. And that's what worship is. It's us acknowledging, God, we can't do this without you. We need you in our lives. This is worship. And he says, listen, I'm not going to force it on you. The very beginning of time, this is the story of God. I'm not going to force it on you. You decide. And so sin entered the world. And we began to idolize things that would never satisfy us. You know, we began to chase after all these other things. And God's going, listen, I want you to chase after me, but I'm not going to force it. And here's the good news. It says, I know how I designed you. So go ahead and chase after that created thing. Go ahead. You're only going to find pain and anxiety and shame. You're only going to find things there that you don't really want for your life. You'll not really find. You might find pleasure and temporary happiness and then regret and all those other things that come with it. But you'll never find me because the only place you're really going to find true joy and true peace and real abundance in your life is with me. So go ahead and chase after it because in the end you're going to come back. You're going to need to seek me. This is the good news. This is what Paul is saying in verse 25. As long as we search for our worth and our hope and our confidence in what we do or what we possess or what we want to go after or what we accomplish, we will remain unchanged by the gospel. And this is why he says you've got to preach and rehear the gospel in your life over and over and over again. Paul says, listen, humanity walked away from God because they became devoted to in pursuit of, driven by, chased after, right? Created things that they thought would bring them joy, would bring them peace. They thought those things that they chased after would make them more valuable, would make them feel loved, would give them security. Aren't you glad we've evolved beyond that? I mean, that doesn't, right? Like, that's, that's not us now, right? Like, none of us struggle with feeling loved, right? Like, we're, we're so past that. Like, none of us try to get security through our work or how much money we have. None of us try to, like, run after, you know, try to keep our kids happy. And as long as they're approved of us, we feel good about ourselves, right? Glad that never happens. Glad that we never try to keep our our friends or our family happy all the time and try to get everybody to approve us so that we can feel good about us on the inside. So glad that we don't try to control the world anymore and try to make sure everything works so we can feel like we can be at peace and try to create, right? Aren't you glad that's not our story anymore? Anybody else have that story in their lives? I do. And this is what this is all Paul's saying. And I have a I've had this conversation, you know, with people about like their work. And if they have, I remember Talking with someone the other day, they're telling me something that their boss said that really frustrated them. And they're telling me about this, like, man, just it just wrecked my day. Have you ever had this happen? Like, you go to work or school, something that your teacher or something that your boss says, it just wrecks you. Just you're just like, man, that just wrecked my day, and you're you're kind of swirling over it. And and, and when you think about it, here's what I think: you think like if your boss, right? If your boss can kind of wreck your day, ruin your day, how'd that happen? Like, why'd your boss have the power to ruin your day? Can we tell you? Because somewhere along the line, 
you decided that you had to have your boss's approval, that he had something you needed to be happy, to be fulfilled, to have joy. And somewhere along the line, you gave him that position in your life, and you said, I've got to have his approval, or I'm not valuable. I'm not loved. I don't have worth. You determined that something else was determining your value. And you didn't do it on purpose, but accidentally, and here's what Paul's saying, accidentally, unintentionally, your boss has become an object of worship to you, a god. Because you're pursuing their approval, because you're being driven by it. Something that he has that you need has become an object of worship. A created thing, you think you need that created thing rather than God himself. And Come on, this is a big statement, right? Like, you're following me here. Like, anything in your life that you are trying to appease outside God, this is what Paul's saying. Anything that you're trying to, like, you know, that freaks you out a little bit on the inside, anything in your life that, like, you try to go, you go crazy on the outside to try to make it harder, you work harder, you act out in ways that you regret, or you try to control, anything like that in your life, this is what Paul's saying, is potentially an object of worship. It's driving your behavior. You're devoted to it. You're trying to appease it. And Paul's saying, it's just going to cause you damage. And what God said is like, I'm not going to like stop you. I'm giving you the free will to choose it. Because sometimes that's how you're going to learn that you can only get what you really need from me. And in verse, you read the rest of the scripture from verse 25 through 31, right? Paul just lists all these sins. Like he just goes after them, right? Everything from sexual immorality stuff to, to all these other, like it is like this long list of sins. And I thought about reading it, like, and it just happened like each of us go like, hey, when, when we hit yours, go ahead and stand up, right? Like, like right, like, we're, stand for the public reading of your sins, right? But I decided not to do that this week. We'll do it next week. I'm just kidding. But, but like, you get, like, the idea here, right, that, that Paul's like, listen, you're, if you go after all that stuff, you can have it but it's just going to harm you. And all those destructive beliefs, this is what Paul's really getting to, all those destructive beliefs, all destructive behaviors in your life, they, behavior is always stems from belief. So if you've got wrong behavior, what you have is wrong belief. If, if you've got wrong behavior, this is what Paul's saying, you've got wrong worship. You're worshiping the wrong things. You're going after, you're devoted to the wrong things. And Paul's saying, listen, anytime you would try to establish your value and your status and your worth and who you are based on something outside God, you're going to lack the power of God and you're going to be exhausted in your life. Felt that. Because this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, stop it. He said, just listen. He said, this is the gospel. You don't need to pursue what God's created. You can pursue God himself. Some of you are like, yeah, well, I've been trying to do that. That's what all my efforts have been about. But the truth is that your nature and the culture have taught you to do that in the opposite way that the gospel declares it. Follow me? So everything that you've been trying to do, like your nature is asking you to do it and work for it and pursue it, but you're pursuing it in a way that you can't really get to that relationship with God. You don't feel the power of God because there's stuff in your way. So that's what we're going to do the next six weeks. In fact, I brought a prop up here on stage, and we're going to spend six weeks with this prop because it's, it's been this 
what I'm about to show you has been life-changing. It's been life-changing. It has helped the power of God to work out in my life, right? Because so for so many of us, right, we, we are trying to, to lean into this in a different way. And, and the reason that this is so important is, and I've had this discussion with my kids about this, is when you work out the false gospel, it is exhausting. Now, now here's what, so here's the deal. This is what most of us, I think, start with. In our lives, right, we almost always start with what I do in our life. Like, if I do, like, I want to have joy and peace. I want to have a relationship with God, but it's all based on what I do. What am I going to do to make that happen? What am I going to do? And so, so we start with what I do, and we start down here on the ladder, and we learn this as, as little kids, right? I mean, they tell us the Santa story, right? What's Santa's story? If you do all the right stuff, you might be valuable and get presents, right? Like, this is the story, right? You go to work, what do they tell you? If you do all the right things, you might be somebody. And so we start with what I do. And we think that what we do will determine who we are. So if I do the right things, if I'm good enough, then I'll be somebody really valuable. If I possess enough, if I achieve the right things, if I control my environment enough, if I look good enough, then who I am is someone worth loving, being valuable. Do you see this? Like this is, right? Does this sound familiar to you? This is what you're doing in your life probably most of your days. You're like, man, if I just had enough, if I just, you know, if I, might, if I perform well enough, then, you know, and this is, that'll tell me who I am. And, you know, this is when it comes to our relationship with God. This is where it gets really dangerous because we're like, you know, if, if I'm a good enough person, see, God, I really want to know you. And if I'm a good enough person, if I do all the right things, then I'll be lovable enough, right? And then when I pray, when I, I go after God, when I ask God to help, God will be good to me. And God's only going to be good to me if I've established that I'm really worth Loving, if I've done the right stuff in my life. And so our, our worship, right, is when we're driven this way, we're, we end up worshiping created things to establish our value. And then we hope that God will be good to us. Man, I hope God's good to me now. See, I've done all this. And when we have sins, and we like, like right, like if you've got a lot of sins in your life, you're like, oh, God's not going to be good to me now. No way God can be good to me. I've heard people say, like, well, I don't know if I'm going to come to church because the, the roof will fall in on my head because you don't know my past. Right? And just go in this direction. And climbing this ladder is hard work. And see, then, then here's what happens, right? When we, when we ask, when, we, when the genie gives us three wishes, when God gives us three wishes, we're like, okay, I, gotta, I, gotta, I think I'm good enough now. I'm going to pray. And then maybe God will answer me. And it's just no wonder that we get all confused about this. We establish who God is based on, like, hey, I guess I'm good enough now, and maybe God will be good to me, and then if, if he answers my prayer, if I pray that prayer and, you know, he answers it, then he's good. If my circumstances go well enough, then God's good. If God gives me the promotion that I want, then God's good. That's how, that's how we determine all, and so it's no wonder, none of you, probably many of you would never say this, it's no wonder you think God is distant, or angry, or out to get you, because you're convinced that this is the way to get to God. 
and you've been living this out. Some of you have been in church a long time, and you're, you're hearing this now, and you're like, stink, that's, that's what I've been doing. I'm still doing that. So when you hear Paul saying, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you, you're like, what is that? I mean, I've had this conversation with my kids. This is so important to even talk about with our families. So I remember them coming in, they're talking about, like, you know, the competition they feel sometimes, comparing themselves to others. Am I, you know, am I better than so-and-so? Am I, am I stronger than, you know, they work out a lot. So, you know, like, you know, I went to the gym, right? Can I lift more than so-and-so, right? Like, like and I, we're talking about this, and I'm like, aren't you tired of that? And they're like, what do you mean, right? Uh, aren't you, ex- isn't that exhausting? That's a lot of energy to spend. Every time you go out, you're, like, gauging yourself. Like, you ever do this? Like, you're gauging yourself. My, is my marriage that good? Is, is my, am I, am I got to grades as good as them? Am I smart as them? Am I, am I getting ahead as well as them? Right? It's a lot of energy. I, I, I remember saying to my kids, I'm like, are you tired of exhausting yourself? Because when you get tired of all, keep doing that, but when you're tired of it and you're exhausted by it, then you might be ready for what the gospel actually is. Because the gospel is not going up to that. That's exhausting. This is the good news. This is the power of God. The gospel is when we go down the ladder. This is the true gospel is when we come down the ladder, when we start with who God is. You see, who is God? God is good. God cares about you. God is sovereign. God is just. God is so merciful and so compassionate that what God did when he saw that you were ignoring all of that and you were going on your own way, right, he did something different. This is like Romans, this is what Paul says, like this is like Romans 5, 7, and 8, right? Like, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is what Paul, this is what, this is what he said he did. Now, you, know, you know why this is so hard? You know why you, you know why you climb the ladder continually? You know, it's so hard to go down the ladder, to start here? Because you are so busy listening to yourself. Instead of speaking truth to yourself, you're so busy listening to those little voices of doubt. Are you really good enough? Will you ever be good enough? You're so busy listening to those voices of shame. Yeah, but yeah, but they don't know what you did. They don't know what kind of person you really are. You're so busy listening to those fears about the future, about what's coming. Like you're like ah, oh, I'm so busy. You're, like you're you're being preached. A, Something on the inside that is false all the time. You're being driven by your drivenness. And, and this is what Paul's saying. Stop listening to all those little voices. Because the true gospel is, when God said it was going all wrong, he sent a son. God incarnate. And he said, I know you'll never get this on your own. You're never going to be, if, if you do this all the way, it's just going to be exhausting. You'll never have true life apart from me. And in fact, he said, you can't do it without me. You were never created to do life without me. So he said, I'm going to come. And all the junk in your life and all the sin in your life, I'm going to actually die for that. I'm actually going to take that on my shoulders. I'm going to pay the penalty of sin. I'm going I'm to take care of all that. I'm going I'm to satisfy the justice of God on the cross. How do we know that God is good? Because Jesus came. And we saw, we watched Jesus' life, we read Jesus' life. If you're not sure about this, you go read the Gospels, you look what kind of person Jesus is, and you say, that's God, because that's what he said. He said, this is, this is who God is. Now listen, here's where it gets powerful. If that's who God is, and that's what God already did, 
and is doing in your life, then here's what it says in John 1. To anyone who believes in, to anyone who entrusts themselves to, to anyone who put their faith in Jesus, not in what they do, but in what God did, to anyone who would trust in that, he can become, she can become a child of God, a loved son, a loved daughter. And you understand how powerful that is? You don't have to do anything to get that. It's already been done for you, and all it takes is faith in Christ to say, God, Jesus, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. You did it for me, and I want to trust you with my life because you're the source of life. All the other stuff I've chased will never satisfy. Who I am is already established. I don't have to try to pursue my status anymore. I could wake up in the morning and say, you know, I've got this voice of doubt. i got this voice of anxiousness. And instead of listening to that voice, I'm going to speak to that voice and say, no, 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 no. I'm not, uh, that's not going to be who I am. What I get done or how much I control, that's not who I am. What God did for me, Jesus, what you did for me establishes who I am. I am loved by you. I am valuable for you. I am so valuable that you would lay down your life for me. That is the power of God, and it changes everything because suddenly what I do isn't to establish who I am. What I do just comes out of who I am. See, I'm not a volunteer because if I was a volunteer, see, I would volunteer to go this way. I'm God's son. Who's Jesus? He's a servant. I'm a servant. So I serve. Right? I'm that person that's hard to love in your life. I'm not trying to check a box and be a good person. Are you why I love people? Because I'm God's love son. You know what Jesus does? He loves people. That's what that's what a son of God does. So I just love people. You know what? Do I always do that perfectly? No, but it doesn't matter because I'm already loved. I'm not doing it to try to win something. I'm doing it because I am something. Because the Holy Spirit is in me and has already established that. And suddenly I have the power of God in my life to live entirely differently that you'll never get until you say, I put my faith in, I entrust myself to. And I'll stop doing this because it's exhausting. I start doing this. That is what we're going to unpack for the next six weeks. Because if you go up the ladder, all you'll ever question is if. If I've done all the right things, if I'm valuable enough, if God does good things, if, 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 that's a terrible way to live and it has no power. You start living out the true gospel. You start walking this way. You're preaching and proclaiming because all the time. Because of God, who God is. Because of what God did. Because of who I am. This is what I do. And it's a whole new way to live. And it will change everything in your life. So let me ask you, are you living that? Are you experiencing the true gospel? Are you tired of driving down all those streets in your life that end up in cul-de-sacs and going back out the other direction? Are you tired of just being lost and all those other things you're pursuing? Is it time to say, I'm done with that. I want to preach the real gospel myself. I'm tired of listening to all those other voices. I want to listen to the voice of Jesus that says, I've already done the work for you to establish who you are. Will you trust in me? Will you put your faith in me? So let me ask you, which one are you experiencing in your everyday life? Because here's the truth. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. 
because it changes everything. Everything. Can you hear it? The gospel. So the question is, are you ready to choose it? Because if you don't choose it, this is what Paul's saying. If you don't make this choice, he is guaranteeing from the history of mankind that you will climb that ladder and you'll be exhausted. And the list of harm in your life will go on and on and on because you'll keep chasing after stuff to make you happy instead of God himself. And that is the good news of Christ. So I want to call you to something else, guys. And I want to say a prayer for us. I'm going to call you to notice when you're not doing it. When, when you're, some of you have known the gospel for a long time, but you, you listen to this message today and you're like, I'm not living the gospel. I know the gospel, but I'm not living the gospel. It's not flowing this direction. And the fast you need to go on this week is a fast of noticing. When, you're, when you wake up in the morning and you're hearing voices that are telling you go this way and you want to proclaim the truth, no, I don't climb the ladder anymore. I go down the ladder. For some of you, you've heard this for the first time and you've never put your faith in Christ. Not really. You've known the stories about God, but you've been still trying to get your way to God, and today is your day. You say, I want to make a commitment. I want to put my faith in. I want to believe in Christ. I want to go down the ladder. So I want to stop and I want to pray together. So bow your heads in prayer. So in this moment, I just want to invite you to respond, to get a sense of what is God doing right now. To say, do I want the true gospel? Am I ready to be done? with being exhausted. Holy Spirit, will you come right now? Will you fill us? Will you convict us? Will you point out to us the places where we're not living out the gospel? We don't have the power of God in our lives, and we've been lacking it in this moment. We recognize what we're lacking, and that's to preach the gospel to ourselves, to put our faith in Christ, and to live entirely different. We want the power of God in our lives. If this is entirely new to you, I just want to offer you a prayer this morning to begin a new journey, take the first step in this new journey, the power of God for your salvation. If this is prayer, you just write in your heart, write where you are, pray it in your own words. But here's just a simple one. Jesus, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm exhausted by chasing after everything that you create. I'm sorry. Jesus, I want to put my belief in you. I want my value and my love to come from you alone. Jesus, I believe that you are the God himself, that you came from me. And I want to entrust my well-being to you from this point forward. I want the gospel in my life. I receive you into my life. Lead my life, Jesus. Lead my life. I want the power of God. Lord Jesus, so often we turn ourselves around in this life. We're trying to fix what's wrong, trying to strive to prove our worth. It's pointless and it's futile. So remind us again of your perfect grace, that our salvation cannot be earned, but it is a free gift. It is complete in its covering. It is transforming in every way. Holy Spirit, point us back in the direction of Jesus. 
looking only to God himself for the source of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen, today as you get responding to God, you sense that. If, if you pray for the first time, Jesus, I want to receive you. I want the real gospel. I want to really encourage you to fill out that response card to make commit to Jesus. Just put it on there. I'm going to tell you why. Because I want to pray for you, and I want to offer to help you on that journey to really live that out. So if you'll fill that out, I'll, I promise I'll follow up with you on that. And today, um, I want to encourage you to this week's fast of noticing. And listen, if you're here today and you're like, man, this is, this is so much broader than I thought. I don't even know if I can notice all these places. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this this week. We have an event this weekend called Taste of Sabbath. That's what it's about. The whole event is designed for you to notice. It's a half day, just four hours to sit down. They'll walk you through it. They'll teach you how to notice this and how to begin to proclaim the truth in your life. You just register right online for that, 8.30 to Saturday. I promise it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. So are you ready for the power of God? Let's, let's, let's step into some worship this morning. Let's proclaim this over ourselves. Let's begin to unpack the gospel next, next week and let God change our lives.